Section 24 of The Fourth Dimension Simply Explained by Henry Parker Manning. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Avai in August 2016. Essay 22 The Properties of Four Dimensional Space by Sylvester, Major Wilmot E. Ellis, Coast Artillery Corps, USA. Dimension as applied to space signifies extension. These extensions are measured in directions mutually perpendicular to one another, and the number of dimensions is determined by the number of independent perpendicular directions that can exist in the given space. To illustrate. In figure 1, assume that ZO is a line drawn from the center of a sphere to the surface. All points in the line, from an assumed origin O to infinity in either direction, could be represented by giving different values to one variable, as Z, and using the proper sign, plus or minus. Imagine that the line ZO is the only space in existence and that a mathematical intelligence is concentrated in the point Q1. It would have one sense of direction only, an up-down sense, for it could form no conception of any motion perpendicular to its line. From these two premises, the one algebraical and the other geometrical, it follows that a line is a one-dimensional space. At the point O, erect OX perpendicular to OZ. A plane passed through these two lines will cut a circle ZOR from the sphere. The mathematical intelligence in this case may be represented by the square Q2. We may imagine it confined in the plane to the immediate proximity of the circumference of the circle ZOR, just as our habitat is located in the immediate vicinity of the surface of the Earth. Q2, however, has one more space perception than Q1, for the former, in traveling its circumference, adds a sense of forward-backward. Q2 can move in either direction, OZ or OX. These two directions may be assumed at pleasure in the plane, but having assumed arbitrarily any one direction, only one other perpendicular direction can exist in the plane. Every point in the plane of ZOX may be reached by giving proper values to two variables, X and Z. Hence, a plane is a space of two dimensions. If, at the point O, we draw a perpendicular OY to the plane of ZOX, we determine a new space of three dimensions. The mathematical intelligence, now represented by the cube Q3, has the added perception of right-left. Footnote. In this discussion, the up-down sense, associated with the attraction of gravitation, has been assumed as our primary sense of direction, because most of our physical perceptions are either directly or indirectly referred to gravitative force. It should be remembered, nevertheless, that the order of development of the three senses is immaterial, as the gravitative direction has no significance in geometry.
End footnote. This is our solid space. The essential characteristic of this space is that at each point any number of three independent perpendicular directions may be determined, but no more than three. All points in our space may be located by giving different algebraical values to three variables, as x, y, and z. Let us assume that at the point O a fourth line, OW, could be drawn perpendicular to the three axes, OX, OY, and OZ. We should thus determine a four-dimensional space, and the mathematical intelligence, Q4, dwelling therein, would have a new perception of direction, which, for the lack of a better name, we may call the W sense. We cannot represent the W direction in a figure, nor Q4 by any known geometrical form. Since every line whatsoever in our space may be regarded as belonging to some set of axes, it follows that the W direction must be perpendicular to all lines in three-dimensional space, in effect perpendicular to the space itself. We are absolutely lacking in the W sense. The key to this direction is concealed from the mathematical genius as well as from the schoolboy. The question naturally arises, is this limitation a human limitation only, or is there something inherent in what we might term absolute reason that precludes the idea of the fourth and higher dimensions? It is at least possible that the limitation exists in human reason alone. General geometry, both pure and analytical, ascends from zero to any number of dimensions without any break to betray the passing of the third dimension. If we accept a W direction, definitely abandoning all hope of mentally representing it, we can investigate the properties of four-dimension space as satisfactorily as we can those of three dimensions. Our only method of investigation must be analogy, but we shall find that it will not once fail us. Following this line of inquiry, we may develop the following properties of four-dimensional space. 1. A line includes an infinity of points, or zero spaces, a surface an infinity of lines, or one spaces. Footnote. For brevity, one space, two space, etc., will be frequently used to signify one-dimension space, two-dimension space, etc. End footnote. And a solid, an infinity of surfaces, or two spaces. We are justified in concluding, therefore, that a four-space includes an infinity of three spaces. A three-space is but one of many in a four-space, and a four-dimensional intelligence would view our three-space as an insignificant part of his four-space. 2. In analytical geometry it is shown that any point in one space can be represented by an equation of the general form of x is equal to a. A line in two-space by the general equation ax plus by is equal to c and a plane in three-space by the general equation 
AX plus BY plus CZ is equal to D. So in 4-space, a 3-space may be represented by the general equation AX plus BY plus CZ plus DW is equal to C. 3. In 2-space, two 3 points can be so located as to have any arbitrary distance between pairs of points. In 3-space, 4 points can be so located, and in 4-space, 5 points. As illustrations, for conditions of equal distances, we have the equilateral triangle in 2-space and the regular tetrahedron, regular pyramid, in 3-space. 4. As a line is generated by the motion of a point, a surface by the motion of a line, a solid by the motion of a surface, so a fourth-dimensional body may be generated by some motion of a solid. Footnote. Mathematicians have demonstrated that in four-space there should be six regular structures corresponding to the five regular polyhedrons of three-space. For example, the analogue of the cube is bound by eight cubes, with sixteen corners, twenty-four squares, and thirty-two edges. These structures can only be vaguely conceived by the most imaginative mathematicians. End footnote. 5. A polygon is bounded by three or more lines, a polyhedron by four or more polygons, and a fourth-dimensional body by five or more polyhedrons. 6. In two-space, rotation can take place only about a point, in three-space about a line, and in four-space about a plane. 7. Two geometrical magnitudes are said to be symmetrical when every point of the one has a corresponding point at the same distance on the opposite side of an assumed spatial reference. The symmetry here defined is what is known as twofold. It is not necessary to consider other kinds of symmetry. In one dimension, symmetry exists with respect to a point. In two dimensions, with respect to a line, in three dimensions with respect to a plane. An object and its mirror reflection are always symmetrical. Such figures are equal, but to prove their coincidence it is necessary to turn one of them around, upside down or inside out as the case may be. This process is called circumversion. 8. In order to circumvert a figure, it must be turned around or maneuvered in the next higher dimension. Thus, a line must be turned through a plane, a polygon through three space, and a solid through four space. Footnote. If an intelligence capable of visualizing four space exists in any realm of the universe, it is more than probable that n dimensions exist for an nth order of intelligence. The eight properties herein postulated of the fourth dimension may be thus generalized, rectilinear figures only being considered. 1. An n space includes an infinity of n minus 1 spaces. 2. 
in a space of n dimensions, an n minus 1 space may be represented by an equation of the first degree containing n variables. 3. In an n space, n plus 1 points may be located so as to have any arbitrary distance between pairs of points. 4. An nth dimensional figure or space may be generated by some motion of an n minus 1th dimensional figure or space. 5. An nth dimensional figure is bounded by n plus 1 or more figures of n minus 1 dimensions. 6. In an n space, rotation can take place only about a space of n minus 2 dimensions. 7. In an n-space, symmetry exists with respect to an n-1th space. 8. Circumversion in an n-space can be effected only by a movement through an n-plus-1 space. End footnote. Let us assume, for purposes of illustration, that a two-dimensional world and a four-dimensional world has each a separate existence. We must further postulate that the two-world and our world have small but real extensions in the third and fourth dimensions, respectively. Without these extensions, an imaginary visitor from one world to the next lower could not perform his mysterious feats. Let us also represent concrete mathematical intelligences of the two-world, three-world and four-world by Q2, Q3 and Q4, respectively. Each of these imaginary beings is supposed to have an intelligence and dimensions corresponding to his own world. If Q3 should visit a two-world, he would be perceived by Q2 as two-dimensional. For example, if the visitor were cubical in shape, every part would be invisible to Q2 except the square base of contact. Q2 could not understand how a coin head up could be turned tail up. Q3 could easily perform the feat, either by taking the coin into his own space, turning it and restoring it, or by turning it around a cord of the circular coin as an axis. The maximum element of the circle that could possibly remain visible to Q2 during the transformation would be a single diameter. Similarly, if Q4 should visit our world, he would appear as a three-dimensional being. He could turn a sphere inside out, either by withdrawing it to his own space or by revolving it through his space around a circle of the sphere remaining in our space. Footnote. This process does not turn the sphere inside out. See introduction, page 28. End footnote. The maximum element of the sphere that could be seen during any such operation would be a great circle. Again, if Q2 were inside the bounding line of any figure as the circumference of a circle, he could not reach the outside without breaking through. Q3, by first moving normal to the plane, could pass out and in at will without penetrating the boundary. So, in our world, Q4, by moving in the W direction, could pass in and out of a solid sphere without breaking through the surface. 
Q2 could make a simple loop in a string, but so long as he kept the string intact and the ends fastened, he could not straighten it. Q3 could do this, however, by lifting the loop into his space, untwisting it and restoring the string. The corresponding maneuver with us would be the untying of an ordinary thumb knot without disturbing the fastened ends or cutting the string. Q3 would have to evoke Q4 to solve this problem. It is interesting to note that Slade, who was eventually exposed, performed the trick of passing a grain of corn through the solid surface of a glass sphere and that of untying a knot, as described in the preceding paragraph. The celebrated mathematician Zöllner witnessed these two performances and appears to have believed that Slade was assisted by fourth-dimensional spirits. Q2 regards the symmetrical triangles of figure 2 as different shapes, because he cannot possibly make them coincide. He perceives a disposition of the one with respect to the other exactly analogous to the one we perceive with respect to right-handed and left-handed shapes. Q3 proves that the triangles are equal by moving them until uppercase AB and lowercase AB coincide, and then rotating one about the line uppercase AB, lowercase AB, until it falls upon the other. During this rotation, the moving figure is turned upside down. If Q3 views uppercase ABC from above the plane of the paper, he obtains one aspect of the triangle. If he views uppercase ABC from a point the same distance below the plane of the paper, he obtains the other, the lowercase ABC, aspect. We see then that Q3's conception of symmetrical shapes, as but two aspects of one shape, results from his freedom of movement in the direction normal to Q2's space. We sense a right glove and a left glove as different shapes, yet we have an intuitive feeling they ought to be the same figures. If one turns a right glove inside out, it becomes a left glove and vice versa. Q4 can perform this transformation when the gloves are closed surfaces. If he rotates a right glove a half turn through his space, it becomes a left glove, the rotating glove being necessarily turned inside out during the movement. Footnote. It is not the outside and inside that Q4 sees above and below our space, but two new sides. HPM. End footnote. Suppose that Q4 should view a glove from two points, the one above and the other a corresponding position below our space. From one point of view, the glove will appear to him as a right glove, and from the other point of view, as a left glove. He recognizes no difference whatsoever between outside and inside, except one of aspect. It is for this reason that the passage from what we call the inside of a sphere to the outside does not necessarily involve the penetration of the surface. This attribute of Q4's intelligence results from his ability to conceive and move in what we have called the W direction. 
If I were ever able to see a right glove as a left glove, except in a mirror, I should know that I possessed a fourth-dimensional intelligence and could move with perfect freedom in the W direction. It should be noted that if two symmetrical figures be rotated a quarter turn toward each other through the next higher space, they will coincide. From this point of view, symmetrical figures may be regarded as resulting from a splitting of one figure in a given space and an unfolding into the next lower space. With the possible exception of symmetry existing in our world, we have no evidence of the real existence of a foreworld in the finite, and no evidence whatever in the direction of the infinite. We know that the ether, although it eludes all of our senses, envelops and permeates our phenomenal world. We feel in some vague, intuitive way that it is the medium connecting us with a higher order of existence and thought. In the ether, if anywhere, we should expect to find some fourth-dimensional characteristics. Gravitation, electricity, magnetism and light are known to be due to stresses in or motions of the infinitesimal particles of the ether. The real nature of these phenomena has never been fully explained by three-dimensional mathematical analysis. Indeed, the unexplained residuum would seem to indicate that so far we have merely been considering the three-dimensional aspects of four-dimensional processes. As one illustration of many, it has been shown, both mathematically and experimentally, that no more than five corpuscles may have an independent grouping in an atom, a most significant fact in view of our third property of four-space. The fourth dimension has an ethical and philosophical as well as a mathematical and physical value. The idea reveals many fruitful fields of speculation. As examples may be cited the stupendous significance of the first property of four-space and a pondering of the question, might not birth be an unfolding through the ether into the symmetrical life-cell and death the reverse process of a folding up into fourth-dimensional unity? End of section 24 End of The Fourth Dimension Simply Explained by Henry Parker Manning Thanks for listening.